Section 27 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 3, Chapter 3, Incense and Violets droop droop no more or hang the head ye roses almost withered new strength and newer purple get each here declining violet herrick dupac came shyly at first because they had asked him to do so but very soon he got into the habit of coming as a matter of course the english ladies were not used to paris and its ways dupac acted as their guide and leader thanks to whom they enjoyed many a pleasant expedition in sight of the old city many an amusing experience they had one other acquaintance a mr bagginall at the embassy who was from their own country and glad to be of use to them but max knew more of paris and of its aspects than the young attache who moved in fashionable and restricted circles and brought invitations and collars and bouquets but who was of little use as a cicerone how delightful is the dinning sound of a melodious church bell going in the early morning sunshine it comes floating into the room and seems to be a part of the very morning and of its joy a hint of other things to heighten the feast of life well says mrs marne who has just come in as usual with her boys and her friend du parc what are we going to do an exclamation from tempy who is also as usual leaning from the window replies to this pertinent question come here what is this she cries all along the rue du dauphin from every quarter people are assembling in crowds that gather thicker every moment youthful white figures led by parents and relations in their sunday clothes boys in shiny shoes and white trousers girls dressed like brides it is the premier communion says mrs marney all in one word susie you should take them to see it let wilkins go too dear and i will mind phrasie phrasie thought herself quite old enough for any amount of sightseeing but she was never happier than when alone with her grandmother and she made no objection but all of us in this crowd mamma said susie doubtfully max will take the boys won't you max like a good fellow cries mrs marney determined that everybody shall see everything that is to be seen anywhere and so the party after some further demur starts off max goes first with the boys then comes susie and tempy in their black dresses then follows joe with his hands in his pockets he wears a scotch cap a rough cutaway coat a pair of knickerbockers less commonly worn in those days than they are now the tidy french people turn to stare at him ejaculate anglais they also look at susie with more respectfully admiring eyes old saint roch has prepared a welcoming benediction for them all heretics and catholics alike that morning the centre aisle was full of a white snowstorm of muslin figures the church was crowded from end to end the altars were lighted the candles were burning hundreds and hundreds of heads were bent in childish adoration 
the little restless snowy figures swayed and tossed their white veils the chorister boys were clustering round about the altars the priests were passing up and down the middle of the church the old abbey in his silver and embroidered shining dress leant from the pulpit and seemed to be calling a blessing upon the eager congregation by the high altar stood the cure of the madeleine a noble-looking figure also in splendid robes the sisters and nuns who had had the teaching of so many of the children were keeping guard over their flock from beneath their bent white coiffet as they knelt the priests beat time processions come swaying from one chapel and another bearing virgins and saints embroidered on satin with golden fringes the great organ strikes up and all the children's voices break out into a shrill sweet morning hymn as the whole dazzling tide sweeps in procession toward the high altar carrying its thousand lights and emblematic candles and followed by crowding parents friends sightseers then after a pause another discourse begins in sing-song from another pulpit the monk in his benedictine dress stands up to address the assembled congregation his words are full of affectionate warnings exhortations incitements to religious life in the midst of the world and its temptations he raises his worn hands as he appeals to his listeners to the pale motionless sisters the rosy awe-struck children it struck one man present strangely and sadly to hear these passionate warnings from those who had not lived to those whose life was not yet begun he looked round at the sea of faces at the blossoming company of youthful postulates at the nuns who stood with bent coiffe and folded hands by the column where he was standing poor souls what hearts had they wounded what unfair advantages had they grasped from the world what had all this to do with them and a sudden revolt rose in his mind an indignant outcry against the creed which superadded these cruel mortifications and sufferings to the stresses and starvations of daily life where the poor day by day are expiating the ease of the rich he thought of caron's teaching of his wider horizons some strange impatience came over him he would wait no longer in this atmosphere of artificial light and smoke the incense stifled him he had an odd feeling that if he stayed he should find himself adding up protesting against the golden pulpit what was that written up on the wall was the church feasting in pomp while multitudes were dying of hunger and ignorance there stood his english friends in a shy group the beautiful young mother with eyes full of tears the young lady with an odd scowling expression let them look on how could they know the meaning of it all or realize the commonest truths of life may they never know du parc repeated to himself go to your sister he said suddenly to the boys i will wait outside susy saw du parc go she was not surprised but she was glad nevertheless to find him still waiting in the doorway when she came away followed by her little court her eyes were dazzled her ears ringing with the music and voices of the people the great clouds of incense the thousand lights of the tapers all intoxicated and excited her 
her heart beat she looked up with almost childish delight du pont looked grave impenetrable very handsome as he stood in the shadow of the arch as susy turned to tempy who was following she wondered to find her cold with a look of something which was almost disgust in her face good old wilkins herself could not have seemed more scandalized by them popes and virgins as she called them joe followed he had been well amused admiring and scrutinizing the ceremony from a more artistic and dilettante point of view now he was staring at the church at the people at the clouds in the street susanna stood for a moment on the steps looking out not long afterwards she remembered this minute so strangely to be repeated by a grim freak of chance here were peaceful crowds in a fanciful excitement and ecstasy in a rapture of white muslin and candlelight shaken by the echoing organ sounds the next time she stood here she was watching these same people fighting for their lives flying from death worshippers at another shrine fiercer more terrible and yet not less remorseful in its expiations and demands here you are said du pont with a sort of impatient cheerfulness well now you have seen the great ceremony and the abbe and his eleven hundred virgins they call him abbe demoiselle in the quartier why did you go away susy asked i cannot stand it the smell of incense always disagrees with me you madame look as you did not mind being half suffocated but you will like the lilacs down in the gardens better still it seemed to me very beautiful said susy with dancing eyes my daughter here disapproves of it as much as you do it seemed all so wonderful to me so beautiful so full of interest tempy looked daggers she had a vague idea susanna was going over to the roman catholic persuasion that du pont was a jesuit pretending indifference that the whole thing was a plot got up to influence and persuade her too yielding too persuadable stepmother she too came down step by step with the crowd following the stream of people some seemed still in a sort of dream some on the contrary wide awake and most keenly alive to the dignity of the moment to the splendour of their sons in varnished boots with fringed ribbons on their arms of their daughters in white muslin with veils and white caps and a general unction of new clothes and new blessings and indeed there can be but one feeling when the boys and girls at the outset of life come up one by one with beaming faces to ask a blessing upon their future from the old-time worn bishop and pastor whose own life is so nearly at an end this was what susy said as they walked down the crowded street which led to the tuileries gardens when du pont again made some bitter joke i am like the gamin who put aside the faith of a pascal with a joke said du pont i'm afraid it's no use talking to me the little shops were bristling with their treasures the people were standing in their doorways to see the company disperse the carts and carriages cumbering the road they passed a flower cart standing in a gutter a country woman with a red handkerchief on her head was changing the beautiful bunches of fragrance into half pennies and pennies it was another version of the old lamps for new many of the flowers were delicate such as we grow with elaborate care in greenhouses and hothouses 
white lilacs and pink carnations with their long blue stalks some sort of early flowering poppy pale and feathery and then narcissus and roses in heaps and white daisies in their modest garb looking as if they too had been to their first communion the violets in their fragrant heaps were piled together all their sweetness tied with a wisp of straw susanna stopped exclaiming but du pare hurried her on pass on pass on madame he said almost impatiently you are stopping the way again tempy drew herself up with a look of absolute amazement and impatience what did this man this drawing-master mean by speaking in this imperious tone to her stepmother she deliberately stopped and began to ask the price of the flowers and bought a bunch of somewhat faded rosebuds which the flower-woman thrust into her hand the others waited while she bargained not that she cared for pennies but from an englishwoman's sense of duty why didn't you get violets cried susy they seemed so sweet a minute after they were crossing the rue de rivoli to the side gate of the tuileries gardens one crosses at the risk of one's life said susanna smiling and turning to speak to du pare but he was gone when he rejoined them a minute after at the iron gate he was carrying a huge bunch of the sweet violets susanna had liked i ventured also to add some lilies of the valley such flowers were created for you he said there was something indescribable in his tone which startled her she looked up she saw a look of bright admiration such pride and homage combined that her thanks suddenly failed her violets and lilies said tempy wanting to say something to break the momentary silence which seemed almost significant violets are not so nice as roses unhappy france has heard more than enough of them mademoiselle said du pare recovering himself quickly but with a well-pleased expression still showing in his dark eyes this is the first time for years i have cared to buy any but to-day they have seemed to me emblems of peace and sweetness instead of greed and wicked rapacity susy could not answer all this she a mother a widow who should have known life to be silent suddenly confused like a very schoolgirl it was not to be endured end of section 27